Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good morning, good morning, Grace Avenue Church. Great to be with you today. It's an honor to be in your presence once again. Church fam, I'm so glad that we're here this morning, and great to be with some church fam behind me. Y'all can give yourselves a shout out. Come on, come on. <laughs> this is the, I haven't had anybody here for seven months. I, I'm used to preaching alone, and then I, we've only done this a couple of times, and so when I, I walked up here and they were here, I said, oh, I forgot that there's people here today, so I'm glad to see everybody. I'm just going to give some fist bumps here, some inconspicuous fist bumps here to church fam. Don't get to see everybody all the time, but it's great to be with you, church family. Uh, honored to be with you today. Um, I'm going to be preaching today, a message here in just a few minutes, but first, before we get started, I'm just going to jump into some uh, announcements that we have uh, regarding our future. And so the best thing for me to do is to read them because I am notorious from hearing on a Monday or Tuesday from our staff or our pastors or my lovely God-sent wife that I forgot to say something that's very important. I don't want to do that. So we're going to jump into this real quick. After seven months of not gathering together as a church family, we are ready to officially announce our first two gatherings that will take place on the evenings of September 6th, which is Sunday, and September 9th, which is Wednesday, at 6.30 p.m. These two initial gatherings will not be regular church services, as you've known in the past, but instead they will be intentional gatherings of us together as a church family focused on prayer and the presence of God. Uh, Together as a congregation, we're going to make room these nights for prayer, to pray for the needs of our city, to pray for the needs of our nation, for our friends, for our family, and for our future as a church. And we believe that the Holy Spirit will move mightily among us these nights as we reset Grace Avenue Church for the future. We are excited to be together once again. So these gatherings are going to take place also in, here's the next part of our announcement, in our new location. We actually are right now at our Starcrest location, and we'll be finishing up here pretty soon, and we'll be meeting in a new location. Yes, that's right. We're moving. We've got a new location. Uh, A door has opened for us to begin meeting in a new location, uh, and it's within the same vicinity as the Starcrest location. So you literally won't be far from where we are now. Uh, But more details on where that is and all that will be uh, coming to you soon. Uh, But after our first two gatherings on the 6th and the 9th of September, Um, After we have those first two gatherings, directly after that, that following weekend and that week, uh, for the next four to six weeks, construction will begin on renovating the the new space that we're going to be meeting in. And that's going to happen, and I I would say that a rough estimate for that will take four to six weeks, and I would say around mid-October, definitely around pumpkin spice time, is the time we are shooting for uh, to start, hopefully, having regular services again. So that's, that's our plan at the moment. That's our hope that if things go according to plan, if things continue to navigate in our city the way they have, and you know, uh, we continue to move forward and the construction and the renovation and all that takes care of itself and everything goes smooth, then it looks like around mid-October, uh, we are aiming for regular services. Now, uh, you may say, you may have questions about that. Uh, we don't have answers for you yet. Again, this is a day-by-day, week-by-week strategy that we've employed since all of this began. 
seven months ago. As you know, anything could change. Uh, I can announce something today and something could change tomorrow. So we're trying not to project too far out into the future, but really trying to focus this next two gatherings on really just resetting our church. And prayer in the presence of God is something that we've been talking about consistently throughout the last, really this last six months as all of this has gone on. So um, other details that you may have, just see one of our team leaders, our staff, uh, our pastors, someone will have more information for you as we move things forward. Amen? Amen. All right. You happy? Are you guys happy? All right. We're getting together again. We'll have pumpkin spice flavors happening around that time. It's going to be good. Hey, this morning I want to talk about a subject uh, that I believe is so necessary in this season, so necessary in this time as we move forward. And uh, my heart for this season in Grace Avenue Church, as we move forward, as we begin to reset and start to really relaunch Grace Avenue Church, once we start gathering again, there's been a couple of words that have been in my heart, and I've shared this the last couple of weeks. Those would be the words faithful and faith-filled. That my heart for Grace Avenue Church, when we reset and we relaunch, is the faithful and the faith-filled. That is who has helped carry Grace Avenue through this season, and that's who's needed to strengthen our church as we move forward and continue to take ground to impact our city, our nation, and our world. And and I believe that when the faithful and the faith-filled come together and are really striving together for for wholeness and healing and unity, uh, something powerful can happen. Within our, within our church, within our community. And I believe that the only way that's going to happen is when each person takes responsibility and ownership of their own spirit. When everyone, I guess you would say, addresses on a small scale their own issues and their own challenges and their own situations, it affects us all on a large scale. Think about it. when When you let God deal with you, it then in turn impacts everyone around you. Well, it's the same with our church. When God does something in you, it impacts our community. When you resist what God's doing in you, it impacts our community. It impacts your purpose. It impacts the neighborhood, the city, the environment you're in, the place you work, what God has called you to do. And I wanted to address that today because inside all of us, I believe there's this little monster that's working its way in and through our minds and in our hearts, through our mouths, through our lives, through our thoughts. There's this little monster called discontentment. Today I want to talk about dethroning discontentment. Because I believe believe that discontentment is something that undermines the good thing that God is doing in your life. I think it's the the thing that undermines uh, what God is working in and through your life. And I would think about it like this. If Jesus, let's just say Jesus, never did another thing for, the re- for you for the rest of your life. Let's say every good thing he's done is what has been done. And he didn't open another door. He didn't change another situation. If Jesus had done, up to this point, everything, and he never did another thing for you, guess what? He's done enough. He's still done enough. Everything Jesus did conquering death, hell, and the grave, securing your eternity, filling you with his spirit, solidifying your purpose, making you his own, placing ownership of your life, snatching you out of darkness, taking you away from the path of the enemy, leading you on the path that leads to life. If he's never done 
If he never does another thing for you for the rest of your life, guess what? He's done it all. He's done everything. And the challenge with that thought, though, is that discontentment often comes and tries to undermine that. Discontentment starts to work in our life, around people, in our heart, in situations. And we can go from having a really good season and being content and grateful and excited and faith-filled and faithful to all of a sudden just letting this little monster take over called discontentment. And what I'm asking Grace Avenue Church to do in this season is to dethrone discontentment because discontentment wants to take rule and crown itself king over your life. It wants to crown itself king over your circumstances, over your situations. And discontentment, man, it is a dangerous guide for your life. And not only is it dangerous for your life, it's dangerous for the people around you. I believe it's a trap. I believe it could take a, a good marriage and make it really bad. I believe discontentment can take a, a great job and make it bad. I believe discontentment can take a great church, one that God has called you to, and make it the worst church in the city. I really believe this. Uh, for, for years, I've pastored people and watched as people allow this, this little monster called discontentment to come in and to take root and to settle and to start to produce bad fruit in their heart, in their mind, in their thoughts, in their conversations. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this, that we have to have rule over our own spirit. It says, he who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Think about that. Someone who does not have rule over their own spirit is like a city that is broken down and it's without walls. It's referring to, obviously, Old Testament times when cities were protected by their walls. And if the walls weren't up around the city, that means invaders could get in, enemies could get in, could come in and plunder the city and destroy the city, wreck the commerce, wreck the people's lives, wreck whatever is established. Well, check it out. When we don't have rule over our own spirits, anything can get in. Anybody's comments can get in. Anybody's big mouth on social media can wreck our day. We have to learn how to have rule over our own spirit. That way we're not derailed every single day by someone's comments or someone saying something or the wrong, you know, time a family member says something or something that just sets you off. Come on. Everybody's got a little jacked up family that knows how to set you off in the wrong way. Amen? Amen? And we have to learn how to have rule over our own spirit so that the wrong things don't get in. And we're living in a world right now where I don't think a lot of people have rule over their own spirit. They certainly don't have a lot of rule over their own fingers when they type on a keyboard. They don't have rule over their mouth, which all points back to people not having rule over their own spirit because people can't help themselves. They're just always saying something. So everyone thinks their thoughts are the truth. And everyone thinks their thoughts are so important. And everyone thinks that their thoughts need to be heard. And a lot of people aren't speaking from a place where there is rule in their own spirit. They're just speaking off what comes first out of their mouth, what comes first to their mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this. 
that we have to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Think about that. We have to bring every thought. Every thought that you think is no longer your own. It belongs to Jesus. And we're to bring those thoughts into captivity. We're to bring them into rule under what Jesus says. Not just what we feel, but what Jesus says about life, about marriage, about forgiveness, about truth, about money, about relationships, about how we live our life. We're to bring our thoughts under captivity, into captivity, under the rule of Christ. Now, that's not a popular saying in our Western culture because we're so individualized and we think that whatever we say is our own truth and it's our own individual truth and that's just not what Christianity is. Christianity is not our truth. It's Christ's truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. So we have to think, like, are we discontent because there's no rule over our own spirit and it's coming from maybe truth that we've invented for the day or for the moment or for the season? We can become so easily discontent when one thing goes bad, when the truth is a lot of things are often good. Have you ever noticed that, that maybe sometimes something goes bad and all of a sudden it can lead you to think that everything is bad? But the truth is everything isn't bad. It's that one thing that's bad or maybe two things that are going bad. But really, most of life is going really good. It's going great. Certain things are in order, but maybe there's a couple of things that are out of order. But discontent can stir us to think that All of life is bad, or the whole marriage is bad, or the whole family's bad, or the whole job's bad, or the whole industry's bad, or the whole church is bad, or the leader's bad. I mean, you can settle into discontent quickly, and before you know it, that that monster grows and becomes a giant. Discontentment is this. It's a restless desire or craving for something that one does not have. Let me say that again. A restless desire or craving for something that one does not have. Look, there's something in each one of our lives that we do not yet have, that we're reaching for, that we're striving for, that we're aiming for. And the goal is to not let that become what we're seeking after the most. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. We can't let the thing that we don't yet have, the thing we've not yet grasped or been able to reach, the goal we've not yet been able to achieve, be the thing that undermines the bigger purpose and the bigger plan of God in our life. You two wrote a song back in the day called Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And that philosophy is what a lot of people live with. They're moving from person to person, relationship to relationship, job to job, career to career, Church to church, leader to leader, doctrine to doctrine. They haven't found what they're looking for. And here's the challenge with that. That doesn't work in real life. It works great when it comes to art and the beauty of art and mystery and a song and a chorus that we sing. But it does not work in marriage. It does not work in family. We have to set up camp and decide where we're going to plant roots because our life is not an experiment. I can't just choose today. Well, I don't think I want to be a father today. I'm a father. I can't let the discontentment of 
responsibilities and challenges. And man, these kids cost a lot. And, and this little one makes a mess all the time. I can't let that uproot me from the main responsibility. I can't let the little discontentment of what I'm experiencing uproot me from the larger picture that I'm called to. You can't do that in your job. It's not an experiment. Your purpose is not an experiment. Your manhood is not an experiment. You as a mother, you as a father, this is not an experiment. You're not on a trial run. This is it. This is what God asked you to do. This is what God has called you to. And discontentment can undermine that and try to uproot the good thing that God has given to you as a blessing. Guys, I could, I could go on and on and sound like Gandalf or Obi-Wan with ancient wisdom and just tell you story after story after story about people who let discontentment take root. They didn't have rule over their own spirit. They became the loudest voice in their own life and thought they should do this, they should do that, they shouldn't do that. And against wisdom and knowledge, chose things that undermined the good things in their life. We have to dethrone discontentment, which means we have to often dethrone our feelings about what we're discontent about in life because it can totally give us whiplash and make us think that everything is bad. Look, discontentment is fueled by what you voice to others. Discontentment is fueled by what you voice to others. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire. How do I know? Because I do this to myself all the time, just like you do. You can you be having a great day and just, you can just get on this one topic and then that topic can just grow and grow and then your, your mind gets around it, then your emotions get around it, then you start voicing it, and then you start talking about it, then somebody says, hey, what's wrong? And then you voice it. There's a difference between having feelings of discontentment, but actually living in and with discontentment. I'm talking about the secondary one here, living in and living with discontentment. We're, we're, we're always feeling some sort of discontentment about something. That, that's natural. That's life. But when we choose to live with it and function with it and let that become a normal part of a relationship, and that context of that relationship that we have to that job, that friendship, that relationship, that marriage, that business, that industry, that career, that church. I'm telling you, it's the quickest way for the very thing that God uses an open door in your life to be the very thing that you're complaining about. The very thing that you're discontent about. I used to do marriage counseling a lot and... When I didn't really know the couple very well back in the day, I would, they would come and maybe someone would sit down. I would often say, especially if I knew that there was like some really serious tension between them, I would often just sit down and say this. I would say, uh, okay, great. Great to see you guys. We're going to cover some things here. I'd like to talk to you, get to know you a little bit. But first, um, let me ask you this question. Let's talk about the thing that before you got in this room and sat on this couch, the thing you both agreed not to talk about. And let's talk about that first. And we go, what? I said, no, no, the thing that you made her swear not to mention or the thing that you made him not to swear not to mention, let's talk about that. Bring that out onto the table because we're going to go there first. And boy, you want to talk about an uncomfortable atmosphere. But I had to confront the thing that they were hiding. I had to confront the very thing that they thought was the absolute worst and often found out that it started 
and had grown because it was a place of discontentment. And then one would start telling the other how they feel, and then the other one would tell them how they feel, and then they would just agree to disagree, and then that just becomes this giant gaping hole in the relationship. And it all started from a place of discontentment that they didn't talk about. They didn't resolve between them. And the problem with that, especially in a relationship or in a marriage, is when you don't talk to who you're supposed to talk to, you go talk to somebody else. You talk to the wrong person. You talk to the person, the ex that reaches out on Facebook. Oh, what a surprise. Oh my God, I can't believe my ex reached out. It's been five years. No, that's called a trap from the enemy. (laughs) That's not a surprise. That's a trap. I saw this hilarious meme yesterday with uh, Keanu Reeves, and it showed him taking pictures, uh, and each person was a female that he was taking pictures with, but his arm is around a person, but his hand is never touching a female. It's like his arm is there. It'd be like if he's, you know, right here. He's just, he takes the picture and he puts his arm around the person, but his hand is like way over here. And there's like several pictures and somebody had labeled the meme that said, Keanu Reeves, the only man who doesn't get in trouble in this world. I thought it was hilarious, man, because like, that's, that's true. This man is smart. He knows. He knows the reality of the world that we live in. But discontentment in relationships will get you looking for that other person, get you taking pictures with that other person, get you putting your arm around that other person closer than you should because you're not facing what you should face in your own relationship or your own marriage or your own job or your own church or your own friendships or your own family. And discontentment will grow to become a tree that blinds you from what you really should be seeing. It'll start out as a little sprout, as a little seed, and then grow, become massive. Discontentment grows and is fueled by what we voice to others. Look, when we don't, when we don't like where we are in life, we usually tell somebody about it. When we don't like where we are in life, we usually tell somebody about it. And that, I would say, is the immaturity that God wants to purge out of all of us. God wants to to uproot that from our lives, where instead of going to tables where we honor people, we go to tables to dishonor people. Instead of going to, to, to tables to build people up, we go to tables to tear people down. Instead of going to tables to be generous with our time and our gifts and our talents and our resources and our our gifts and our personality, we go to get something from people, to get agreement from people about things that we want them to agree about. Because the bottom line is we want people to agree with our discontentment because if not, then then we shut them out too because they don't see it the way we see it. That's unhealthy. Philippians chapter 4 This is Paul saying this. He says, I'm not speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I'm in, I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, of facing abundance and facing need. Paul is saying here, whatever the situation, I'm learning and I've learned how to be content. Whether things are going great or things are, quote, the worst they ever could be. Paul has learned in hunger and need and in the valley to be satisfied in God. Look, contentment 
is finding your satisfaction in God's presence and in God's timing. Let me say that again. Write that down, type it out, tattoo it on you. Contentment is finding your satisfaction. Let me say it one more time. Contentment is finding your satisfaction in God's presence and God's timing. If you don't have God's presence, if you don't rest in God's presence, and you're not about God's timing, you will always live in discontent. Trust my Obi-Wan voice on this. You will live in discontent. And you will never find the right grounding for the gifts, the talents, the resources, the gift that you are to the body of Christ, the gift that you are to this world will be hindered by your own discontentment. We have to learn to get rule over our own spirit. To get rule over our own spirit. This is why God says, be still and know that I'm God. This is why so many people struggle with discontentment because they can't be still and know that he's God and not them. Stillness is part of our growth. Stillness is how we grow in the presence of God and grow in and through our discontentment to be settled in places where we're unsettled. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Listen to this again. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. What is discontentment? Greed. It's greed to have something, to have someone, to be somewhere, to have things going this way, that way, the way you think you should. It's to undermine the timing and the presence of God in your life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We've all got hopes that we have put in other things that have let us down. And we have to throw a lasso around those things. Pull them in and say, hang on, my hope is not in that. My hope is in Jesus, who if he never did another thing for me, he's done everything. He's done everything in my life. He saved me. He set my feet on solid ground. He's prepared a place for me. God has done anything and everything that I need. Now, what I want is often a different story. Discontentment will lead you to uproot yourself from God's places that he's positioned you. What I'm saying is you have to learn how to live in uncomfortable seasons and still know that God has blessed you and still know that God loves you and still know that God is working things out and still know that God is moving things forward and still know that God is opening doors that no man can shut. I have learned this. Some of you need to hear this today. I have learned this. There is no one who can stop the plan of God in your life. I don't care how much they try to wreck your life, your reputation, your character. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, nobody, hear this again, nobody can stop the plan of God for your life. Tattoo that one on you too. Unless you're in the old covenant, don't do it. Nobody can stop the plan of God for your life. Now they can try, but God can work in and through someone else's discontentment to teach you what it's like to rely on his glory and his power and his strength and not to be affirmed by people. Look, if you're in any type of leadership position whatsoever, 
You could be leading two people, 200 people, 2,000 people. Somebody's going to be dissatisfied with the way you lead. I've been leading since I was a teenager, somehow, some way. Whatever job I was in, I found out pretty quickly. Didn't matter how much personality I had, how much charm, how much gifting, someone didn't like the way I was doing things. Or someone wanted what I had. Someone was discontent in their life. Someone didn't think I should receive the promotion. That was a big one. When I would get promoted, I would encounter jealousy that I had no clue where it was coming from. It's not like I was now, you know, over an NBA team or something. That's like, that would be a nice, jealous position to have. I mean, this was just a random promotion. Or, but, but something in people works in their discontent to make them think that they should have what you have. And you have to watch for that. Contentment will mature you as you grow deep roots and outlast the weeds that come and grow around you. Contentment will mature you as you outlast the weeds, as you grow deep roots and outlast the weeds. Look, uh, I say this with all humility and with grace and the favor of God on my life, but I thank God that God has preserved Janelle and I over the years. Janelle and I, we'll talk about it sometimes. We'll talk about different times, the first three years of our marriage, the first six years of our marriage, the first 10 years, you know, the first 15. We're, we're about to hit 20 in a couple years. Like we're, we're hitting that second decade mark and we will look back and recognize who's not around anymore. People who, who's not married anymore. Who's not even serving God anymore. Who's not in ministry anymore. And it's, it's shocking. And, and the older you get and the more you lean into God, the more you recognize that could be me. That could be me. That, that could easily be me. One wrong decision, one bad attitude, one monster of discontentment that grows in my relationship or grows in ministry or grows in God that could derail me. It's very simple. We have to dethrone discontentment in our life. And we have to give contentment a chance to thrive and grow in deep roots. And those deep roots are often in places where we're very unsatisfied. That's where things grow. Look, I'll say it like this. Discontent people are exhausting to lead. If you're a manager and you have a team, people who just, they're just never happy. They're exhausting to lead. I can't hear you say amen, but I know you can say amen to that one. They're always the victims in the situation. They're always, they're just never happy. And and you have to learn not to be led as a manager or a leader by someone else's discontentment. You can have 10 great employees and this one just is always on the wrong side of decisions and they take up most of your time and energy and your thoughts while the nine don't get the input that they need. You have to think, even as, as a leader, who you're going to give your time and your energy to and, to. and the best thing is to find people who are content in God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Content in God. When people can come to that settled place in God for themselves, those are the most amazing people to lead. They're actually refreshing to you. Because you're actually leading together the mission of God. You're not trying to lead them out of the funk that they're in or out of the sin that they're still in or out of the rebellion that they're in. You're actually able to co-lead in the kingdom of God with someone 
whose desire is the things of God, not just their own throne. Look, you have to have eyes of discernment to recognize who is in your circle. Are they content? Are they discontent? Are they discontent? And do they want you to fix that? Do they think your decisions will fix that? I would say it won't. I would say you have to see that they have to look in the mirror and find rule over their own spirit. Philippians 4, I'll read this again. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Look, whatever the circumstances are right now for 2020, so many of us have been derailed from what we thought it would be. We have to learn how to be content in God's presence and God's timing. This is why we're calling together this night of prayer, this night of presence, because our goal and our focus is Jesus. It's his presence. It's his timing. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I want to close this next few minutes with these thoughts. Number one, discontentment is something you must unlearn. Discontentment is something you must unlearn. It's something that you recognize, you identify, and unlearn. It's like a behavior. It's like an attitude. It's something we give to God, but it's also something that we take responsibility for and we unlearn. Or we keep finding ourselves going from place to place, person to person, finding ourselves in the victim seat, finding ourselves in the seat where we're always wronged. We have to think bigger. We have to unlearn how we've thought. We have to take thoughts captive to Christ. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you felt it doesn't mean it's true. This is why it says we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Every negative thought. Every destructive thought. Every frustrated thought. Every confusing thought. Every hateful thought, we have to take those and make them obedient to Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen just because you decide. The Holy Spirit works in and through our discontentment to help us unlearn and to settle in a place where we learn. Contentment, I'll say that, last point. Contentment is something that you learn. Contentment is something that you learn. It's a journey. It's an education. I look at the things that used to unsettle me, that used to make me miserable, that used to derail my, my thoughts about myself, about my future, about what God had for me. And I look, most of them were just based in discontentment. And that discontentment was based in immaturity and a lack of trust in God's timing and God's presence. And having grown out of a lot of that, even as a grown man, I'm talking to you as a grown man, wife, kids, I lead a church. There are still areas of discontentment where the enemy tries to work. And I have to allow the word of God, the mind of Christ, to get around those places of discontentment. That way the truth can choke out the weeds of discontentment in my life. I'm trying to tell you today is, don't discredit the hand of God working in your life. 
just because you don't understand how he is working in this season. Don't discredit the hand of God working in and through your life just because you're feeling discontent and can't necessarily understand how he is working. You know, truth be told, I don't have to understand everything God does. I don't. I'm called to follow the king. And if the king has anointed me and called me and saved me and done the work in my life that can't be shaken, then I'm going to be content in that. And I'm going to trust his presence and his timing to guide me through the places where I'm discontent. I say this often. I've been saying it for a long time. Don't try to kick down doors that God hasn't opened. Trust God's timing. Learn contentment. You're not ruled by the spirit of this age or the spirit of this world or the spirit of lack or the spirit of whatever is trying to come at you. You are under the rule of the spirit of God. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. These things are the work of the Spirit. Maybe gauge your own spirit right now and say, where am I? Do I need to dethrone discontent in my life? Is, this, is, is it really bad or am I just making this a Goliath in my life because of the way I'm thinking about it? Look, that's, that's not to discredit anything that you may be going through, but I, I'm talking about there are things in our life that we make mountains out of when they're really tiny anthills. And we're all subject to this. We're all vulnerable to this. And that's how often the enemy works to rob us of the future that God has for us. To rob us of the promises God has. There's a place I wanted to read here. Exodus chapter 32. And I want to read this. Just just think about this for a second. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain... They gathered around Aaron and said, Come on, let's just make us gods for ourselves who will go before us. And as for this fellow Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. <laughs> I mean, when you read that, if, if you don't know this story, you may not get this, but, but there is such dishonor for the man of God here. There's such dishonor for the leader God used. There's such dishonor and disdain because of their personal discontentment, the man who God called to lead them out of slavery. And they're just dishonoring him and just just discrediting him. This fellow, that's what they call him, this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. See, what happened to him is he had gone to hear from God. And he was to come back and lead the people. But the people, because they couldn't wait for God's timing, because they weren't satisfied with God's presence. They built other gods to themselves. And they voiced that discontent amongst themselves and to other leaders. And as you know the story, it did not go well for them. They missed out on the promise. They missed out on significant blessing. They were not used how they could have been used. And I'm telling you, your discontentment needs to be dethroned and contentment needs to be learned in this season. We're in an unknown season in 2020. And the voice out there in society is negativity and discontentment and anger and hatred and name calling and finger pointing and everybody has the answers. I'm telling you, 
Don't get in on the inside of that. Pull back for a second. You are a child of God. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You have the voice of wisdom on the inside of you. You can speak to wind and waves. You can speak to storms. And you can trust that God is guiding you. Even in discontentment with with your feelings or discontentment in a season, you can come to that place of contentment like Paul said. Land in that place where in all places, in all things, rich, poor, in need, having plenty, you can settle. What Paul says directly after that, I didn't read this, but what Paul says directly after that that I read is, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, we often use that verse when we want God to open a door or bless us for something or bless us for something that we're choosing. But the truth is, Paul was saying that verse in accordance with the two other verses before, three other verses before, where he's talking about whatever the circumstance, through Christ, I can be content. Through Christ, I can be settled. That's my prayer for you this morning. That you'd become content and settled in what God wants to say to you today in this season. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as we wrestle with feelings of discontentment in this temporary world, Lord, give us an eternal perspective. Give us a larger perspective of your glory. Let us not be like the people who looked at Moses, questioned him, questioned his timing, questioned your timing, began to create other gods, other relationships, other conversations around error and confusion and dissatisfaction and selfishness. God, let us be people who wait on your presence and your timing for the purpose of God. Lord God, today we dethrone discontentment in our life. We place you, King of kings, Lord of lords, over our life, over our future, over our marriage, over our business, our finances, our decision-making. Lord Jesus, wherever people are at this morning, Lord, meet them where they're at. Lord, let anyone know that you say that if anyone is to call upon the name of the Lord to ask forgiveness of their sin, they will be saved. You will join them to the kingdom of God, the family of God. This morning, if you need to make that decision, wherever you are, my prayer is that you would find that place of contentment that comes in Christ. If that's you this morning, would you just pray this with me? Just say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I thank you for my life and my purpose. Forgive me for going my own way. Lord, have rule over my own spirit. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Friend, if you prayed that, God saves you and he saved you. And he has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And this morning, if you made that decision today, would you just type in the comments, I was saved today. I was saved today. And someone, one of our team, one of our Our pastors, our staff is going to reach out and make sure that you, on this journey, aren't alone. Make sure that we can connect you with resources, with information that you need. We're going to be praying for you. The church family, it's been great being with you this morning. I'm praying that contentment rises, discontentment is dethroned, 
And that when we see each other on the 6th and the 9th, again, details are coming. You'll be able to check the website. Details will be coming on social media about the details. We'll be together. God's presence and prayer are going to be our focus. I love you. I will see you soon. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.